Hey, Laser House, welcome. This is episode 74. I'm here with David and Lewis. Hey, hey. What's up, everybody? And this is Bobby. We're back with no Galaxy news at the moment, but we have lots of USA updates. Uh, Lewis, you want to start us off with that? Well, actually, I'm going to uh, send it to David because he actually attended the Galaxy 2 game. Oh, that's true. And uh, he got a word in with uh, head coach Kurt Nolfo and former uh, goalkeeping legend Kevin Elgato Hartman. So I'm going to go ahead and let David take wow. over and tell us about what his content there. you're bringing. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I do, man. I, I <laughs> occasionally do something that doesn't include you guys, and I bring back little nuggets of information. Uh, but I just want to say, hey, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that it's, it's starting to feel more like summertime. Uh, it's actually still daylight outside. To feel like summertime. I like mm-hmm. the song. It's actually still daylight outside, <laughs> and we're recording. It is. So part of, part of that has something to do with me being off of work today, and uh, and actually being home early. But also, you know, it's 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 maybe about an hour before we normally record. But anyway. Well, I'm actually I'm actually glad we're doing this because we're hitting it right before uh, the heat wave comes in. Yeah, starting for sure. tomorrow. So, whoo, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's get started. I attended Galaxy 2 versus Colorado Springs. Uh, Colorado Springs Switchbacks, which uh, Switchbacks. I think was uh, hotly contested over uh, at the Riot Squadcast and on Twitter, whether or not it was a sex position. Uh, but or a USL team. Or, or USL team. Um, uh. Mainly, I, I, I want to I put it on Front Street that I, although I attended the Galaxy 2 game, it wasn't or specifically to go see Galaxy 2, it was Cosmo's yeah. birthday party. So, yeah, if anybody heard our episode prior, they knew that was your intention. Right, yeah. And and so <laughs> right away, right away as we walked up, we saw Cosmo. Everybody got to take pictures with him. Uh, we gave a lot of hugs. Um, we signed his birthday card uh, on behalf of... I, I signed his birthday card on behalf of all of us. Well, thank you. Uh, and, uh, and we got to see him uh, just... You know, just lots of shenanigans with the other mascots that were in, te- in attendance. Bailey, the Kings mascot, Chuck the Condor from the Clippers, and Kingston, the lion or cat. I actually don't know what he is, but he <laughs> is the mascot for the Ontario the Rain. Cats, but yeah. Yeah. He looks <laughs> like a snow leopard, but I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, happy birthday to Cosmo again, but let's get to the actual Galaxy stuff. LA Galaxy 2 versus Colorado Springs switchback. So, uh, Galaxy 2 lost 2-1 to one in this game, uh, but Justin Dillon, who uh, is one of the guys that uh, excites people when they, when they watch the team, scored his first goal for Los Dos. So that was, uh, that was good. That was positive. Um, tough result for, for Galaxy 2. They're not doing so well. I think they're in like 14th place or 16th place in the USL standings. We got to remember that a lot of the players that were originally supposed to be on the Galaxy 2 squad were moved up into the uh, first squad because of all the injuries that they sustained. So they lost uh, Bradley Diallo. They lost Nathan Smith. They lost um, uh, Dave Romney. Well, I think Dave Romney probably would have been on the first team anyways as a, as a sub. Team, yeah. But uh, they lost a lot of uh, uh, players to uh, the Galaxy first team. So, um, you know, that's probably uh, part of the reason. Right, yeah, it, it, it could be that. Um, so, <clears throat> just to start it off, um, we did get to talk to, I did get to talk to um, Kurt Uh I did see Pete Vianis. 
And I also uh, talked to Elgato Hartman, but uh, I'll start off with Kurt Nelfo. Um, he initially, I, he came, he came over probably about, um, 20 minutes into the game and started, started watching the game. I came over to talk to him. I, I let him know that, uh, that I was from Eliezer house and I let him know that we, we do a podcast and, you know, just the whole spiel. Um, have we, haven't we done that to Elgato like three times? No, 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 this is, but this is an alpha. Oh, This is oh, an alpha. Um, and, uh. And as I, as I said that, he, he kind of, um, it was weird. His demeanor kind of changed a little bit from like, oh, this is a fan to like, oh, this is somebody who like actually wants a to critic. talk to me about the game. <laughs> uh, I first congratulated him for the, uh, for the road wins. And I let him know that, um, that we were very impressed with. And the, Lewis had no confidence. <laughs> as like, you should have heard our shows, man. <laughs> <laughs> we were just trashing you, and to be honest with you, we can't believe you made it out of there. Uh, <laughs> it was motivation. It was motivation. There so thanks go. for proving us wrong. Yay. Um, I, I, to be fair, I did tell Steve Sampson that he was fired uh, immediately winning after uh, immediately after winning the U.S. Open Cup. That's right. I don't remember that. Um, Anyway, uh, Anolfo did say that uh, he, you know, he he basically said, "Look, man, we're a fucking good team. We just." have been a little unlucky and um you know i let him know that the, the, <laughs> a little unlucky. some of the younger guys were coming along um and i told them you know you guys have had a, a bunch of injuries so that's a lot of that is understandable um he did go back to you know losing legit and losing jones um was that unlucky i I asked him. I asked him about. Well, the thing is, is I asked him about Giassi, okay. and and I was trying to. I was trying to find a way to bring it up in a way that is wasn't too combative. So I actually got a good answer out of him. So I brought up Giassi, and almost immediately he was like, "Look, we're treating Giassi as if he was in preseason, and that's you know he missed the preseason and." That's the stuff that you work out at that time. You work this that stuff out in preseason. So they're indeed trying to play him back into shape, which of course we all know has not been working. But I did find it interesting that he did say that they yeah. were trying to play him back into shape. Um, I didn't want to take up too yeah. much of his time, uh, so I wished him luck against uh, Houston, and I moved on. So what do you guys what do you guys think of the the little tiny shreds of nuggets that I got from Anolfo? So commenting on the uh, well, I want to comment on the Jazzy thing. Um, I think it's interesting. I I can understand why he's saying that they're treating him as if he's still in preseason form, um, but preseason kind of lasts all of four games, and he's had twice as many games um, since he's. It's returned. been it's. It's been a long run. It really has. I think. I mean, I could be wrong, I, I, but I feel like he's had more uh, more than enough time to get into shape, um, to find his rhythm and his footing back. Um, it really does seem that he's just out of place with the team. Uh, I, I think that by this time, he could have and should have already, um, you know, got it going. Uh, maybe not quite as... Um, 
as far along as the others who are well into uh, you know midseason form. But I think you should have seen some sort of improvement from uh, Jazzy Zardes um, at this point in time. And mm-hmm. and then you gotta you gotta ask yourself like, well, how long are you going to give this guy as and treat him um, as a as a preseason you know I don't know I don't even know what to call that a project or. A, or whatever. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what you. Call I, I don't know what you would call that. Like, and when do you say, yeah, th- this guy is ineffective. This guy is not, you know, uh, doing anything. Uh, we are playing with ten men here. Uh, when do I go ahead and just change a formation or bring in another player and give them a shot to see if they're uh, uh, they're more effective? Because okay. again, uh, this is something that I, we talked about in the last couple of weeks. We feel like Gr Giassi's time is up at this point. I think everyone feels that way. Yeah. Or a lot of people feel that way. Um, well, uh, getting back to, uh, to to Galaxy 2 stuff, um, I got to tell you guys, being there, being at the Galaxy 2 game, it, it, it felt like a high school game. Like, it was very social. Like, <laughs> you got to... You could literally walk up to players and start talking yeah, to them well. if, they weren't, if they weren't on the field. Um you didn't have to go sit in the bleachers. A lot of people were standing at the perimeter of the fence, uh, uh, you know, from the, the track field. Um, it's, it's, it's very accessible, um, which I, which I really liked. And there's such a more relaxed atmosphere, probably because it's not really, you know, the stakes aren't that high. It's USL and it's, it's galaxy two, um, more like development than anything. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and one thing that, that I did like, um, was that the the large guys that were there? Um, they what they tend to do is they pick somebody at the games and just start just start giving them a hard time. Um, <laughs> they just pick somebody from the opposing team and they start just kind of jabbing them a little bit and you know and, and and making sure that they know that uh, that they're giving them a hard time. Usually, guys are are um, good sports about that. This game, they picked out a guy from the uh, switchbacks that had. Just too long of hair for this day and age of, of, of soccer. Like, remember the 90s when everybody had long hair? Like, you weren't a good soccer player unless you had long hair. Um, this guy was stuck in the 90s. He had, like, Luis Hernandez length. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing in my head right now. Long, blonde hair. And, uh, and, and as the, the, the team was warming up, the Lars guys started getting after this guy. And, and uh, Bailey, the Kings mascot, was walking by at the time and and the large guy started chanting Bailey's hair is better Bailey's hair is better and so Bailey stopped and just started swaying back and forth just kind of dancing in front of this guy and giving him a hard time and like flipping his hair a little bit it was it was great it was great <laughs> um a, a few minutes after that Chuck the Condor walked by and they had been giving Lars again was giving this guy a hard time because they were yelling at the coach like hey coach he's not going all the way to the corner he's not warming up hard enough and so Chuck the Condor came by, and, and they're like, hey, Chuck works harder than you do. So what did he do? He stood, he did a handstand and was basically taunting this dude from the switchbacks. <laughs> nice. It was, it was great. So, again, so much fun. Go, go to a Galaxy 2 game. Uh, Bobby, I have four tickets to oh. Galaxy 2 versus Phoenix Rising. Now, oh. Phoenix Rising is going to be a popular game because guess who plays there? 
Anybody? Nobody? Oh. Nobody? I know. I, I, I just don't want to say yeah. it. Yeah. Didier Drogba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. He just made his uh, made, first made goal his with debut. them. Yeah. He made his debut yeah. and his first goal, much like he did in Montreal. So I have four yeah. tickets to that, so I think we should attend. That'd that be game. fun to go. Yeah, I yeah. think we should go to that game for sure. That should be, uh, should be a good time for everyone. Um, awesome. The, uh, so the other guy I get to talk to was Elgato Hartman. Um, I didn't get to talk to him a ton. I asked him a little bit about the Girls Academy. He said that uh, he's trying to fill up vacancies um, and they're just getting one of their fields renovated. There's a million-dollar renovation happening uh, at one wow. of the StubHub center fields. They're putting in turf for the, uh, for the Girls Academy. So, so that's good. But, uh, but again, Gato and Kurt Nelfo were very gracious to uh, take a couple of minutes and talk to me. Uh, and uh, I'm sure they never heard of the podcast, so <laughs> that's that. Even though Gato does, <laughs> no, follow, that's great. Gato does follow us, and he did, he yeah. did respond back to, uh, to my tweet about, about that. So that's cool. Yeah. Very cool of him. All right. Yeah. So, guys, before we get into the U.S. national team, I did want to ask you those Latin rumors. They creep their way back up again. What do you guys think? Um, I've already kind of said my piece about uh, the possibility of a Sata coming to LA, uh, you know, a couple months back. Um, I think um, it kind of furthers my uh, argument that after the knee injury, why would you take a risk and sign this player at 35, 36 years old, um, who wouldn't even be ready until next season. So we need somebody right now. We need a striker. Um, I think um, another a few names have surfaced since then, but at the time when we're talking about would you rather have Zlatan or would you rather have Chicharito, I have made the argument for Chicharito for several reasons. Um, but now that there are other uh, rumored um targets out there uh i, I want to say that benedetto is right at the top of that list and uh Gignac is probably right below him uh, and i would probably target those two guys before or i would want those two guys before uh chicharito or zlatan at this point i okay. think zlatan is actually a, an afterthought i don't even think we should make a play for him at this point with his with his uh his with injury, the injury. Yeah. with after the well, after the injury yeah. it's 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 but he's not human though he's zlatan so it's not like he stands with the rest, that's, yeah, was, that's what that's what people were trying to argue. That's what his, his doctors trying to argue. <laughs> <laughs> um, to me, it seems like if we can get like, to be honest with you, and I may have said the same thing about Steven Gerrard. If we can get Zlatan for Tam, hell yeah, I think Zlatan in a second. <laughs> <laughs> that's not happening. We ain't gonna get him for Tam. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen. That, not even. Not even in. Now. Not in a million yeah. years. I think that's yeah. a lock that Bobby is actually going to win. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fuck you. But I'd, rather, I'd rather go for I'd rather go for the the young the younger uh, side. Benedetto is is probably at the top of my list, and Ginac, uh, of course, I would take him. I don't know what the possibility of Ginac coming, but um, I think that the the ten million dollar offer that the Galaxy had supposedly have on the table. For Benedetto, is is something that uh, that that would be very very good for for the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would take him in a heartbeat. All right. Well. All right. So do we get to it? Let's, go Let's for it. talk about the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh-huh. So World Cup qualifying resumed, and uh, yes, USA played against Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, they played to a very very comfortable two zero win. Um. 
Trinidad did have a few chances in the beginning, in the first, uh, I would say maybe, what, 15 minutes? I think it was a pretty shaky start to the game. I think once the United States settled in, uh, they certainly got their chances. I think they probably had a good solid maybe like 20 minutes where uh, they could have scored the, the opening goal, but uh, were unable to, uh, you know, uh, finish. Um, this game went about as expected for me. Um, I was not expecting another performance uh, uh, like the one they had against Honduras when they won a 6-0. I, I think that it was um, you were going to face an opponent that was probably going to park the bus. I think that little bump of uh, a new head coach uh, seemed to have, uh, well, it wasn't going to be as high. So um, you weren't going to have, I wasn't really expecting that type of a repeat performance. I thought that they would uh, struggle a little bit, but ultimately they would come out uh, a, a winner. Um, I thought maybe as a you know cheap excuse, probably overlooking this game uh, into uh, the uh, the game that everyone had circled three days later, um, which I thought was a mistake because I figured this was your must-win game. You had to win this game yeah. at all costs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you couldn't lose this. Yeah, one. there was no way. I mean, even a draw would just be not yeah, catas- that would be not a- catastrophic, but it would have been very bad. It would have been in terms of a loss. Yeah. Yes, considering the fact that they were playing against the weakest opponent in the Hex mm-hmm. at home, mm-hmm. there's no way that you can afford to lose this game. You needed all three points here. You need that uh, from here on on anyways. Uh, but, um, no, at the end of the day, you know, it was, uh, it was a good solid 2-0 victory. Our golden boy, Christian Pulisic, with, uh, with both the goals – um, yes. he continues to prove that he's the real deal, that he's, uh, you know, he's going to be, if he's not already the leader of this team going forward. And it's going to be, he's kind of already putting that on the field, to be honest. I mean, it, when he was coming out, I know I'm jumping ahead into the next game, but when he was coming out in the USA Mexico game, which was really late in the game, he was still chanting on to the, to, to all the players. Like, right. Let's go boys. Let's get one. Let's get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And you don't see that that often. Yeah, you know, not like that. Not like that. Not like yeah, that. for for an eighteen yeah. year old who's still relatively new to the team, compared to some of the other veterans on the team, yeah, he's he's definitely uh, uh, he seems to be a, a vocal leader. The one difference that I see in him that I personally like, and I mean, I may be wrong. We'll see how how the what the future tells. Is that uh, he seems really um, welcome to uh, put that weight in his shoulders. That's something that you know Landon didn't really enjoy doing. So. I'm really looking forward to that. He's putting like the weight of being that superstar of the USA on his shoulders and ready to go out there. I think he's just, just better prepared mentally. I think he knows exactly what is <laughs> at a younger at age. a younger age. I think I, he knows exactly what is expected of him, um, and he's very humble about you know his uh, his current stature on the team and what he's doing with his club side over in Dortmund. Um, I'm sure he knows what the hype is, and he's handling it yeah. very well. Um, he, he doesn't have an ego. He's not, you know, he's very humble about it and he's showing that it's not just hype and he's proving it on the yeah. field, which is what you're supposed to be doing. It's not exactly. all talk. It's not all hype from the media. He's actually backing it up to this point. Um, so that's something where he's just way ahead, um, way ahead of many players that, you know, have had similar hype. In the past, a lot of way ahead than most of the prospects that a lot of people have jumped the gun on. I don't think this is, I don't think he is considered for me personally. I don't think he's considered a prospect anymore. I don't think you can say this is the future of US soccer. 
He's currently playing on the team, oh, yeah. making a difference. He is the present. No, no, yeah, yeah. So he is the gift to all of us. <laughs> yes, to all of us soccer fans. I gotta ask you guys though. I mean, I, I know there. I'm sure that there were a lot of nervous people uh, when the halftime whistle blew. When we were not winning this game yet, it was still a scoreless draw. Um, this were is, you guys yeah. at all? You know, getting you know nervous and uh, antsy at the, the the fact that oh my god, we may not win this game. Well, th- we're talking about Trinidad's buckle, right? Of course, yes. Um, yeah, so this is where I agree with you, where um, I didn't feel like they were playing that well in the first half or, or really just overall in the game. I think Pulisic really pulled it out for us. We could have ended this game in a draw, I believe. Um, so uh, for me, I wasn't that impressed with what I saw on the field in that game. Given um, And I wasn't happy with it. Given the lineup that we got from this game... Um, I was, I felt like this was the typical USA, uh, trot it out and get a, a win, but it's not going to be spectacular. Um, you had Cameron Brooks, Yedlin and Viafania on the back. That's your A squad. Which is, which would be <laughs> considered your A squad. Uh, Bradley, Bradley Pulisic, Johnson and Nagby in the middle and then uh, Altidore and Dempsey up top. That's also... Which, which, yeah, which they're sounds, all... A which sounds like an A squad. Like your A squad, but it also sounds like these which are, may these come are down all guys, to... save for Pulisic and... Um, Agby. And Viafania that are... Oh. That are not very hungry. They understand mm. what their role is in the team. They understand what their, their placement is in the team, or they've been sort of the tried and true for the United States. So... It didn't surprise me that we're zero zero. I I did feel like we I I never felt like we were gonna lose this game, but I did feel like uh, this is gonna be a ugly one zero win or you know this might be this might be have, have to be a comeback two one <laughs> win, you know something like that. But I don't think I ever felt like we were not gonna win this game. I had this going into the game, and I never said it on the podcast, but I had this as a 3-0 victory for the United States, but it would have been uh, far from a dominating performance. Again, not the type of performance that you saw against Honduras where everything went right for us and Honduras was just completely played off the field. I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. a hard-fought game, and when it mattered, we were the ones that, would, that were, um, were, were scoring the goals. Um, there was only probably one time I was scared, and that was when... Uh, I forgot who it was. They hit the post around the 30 midway, 33rd, 34th. I think that was Kenwin Jones. Yes, Kenwin Jones. Hit the post. Uh, yes, he did have Brooks Howard B. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Brooks got caught ball watching. He was all in by himself. Uh, he had Howard beat, and that post just uh, just saved the United States right there. Um, that would have been uh, pretty disastrous going down 1-0 mm-hmm. to the, uh, the, the weakest opponent in, in the hex. But... Um, yeah, the post was not having any of that. Um, and going into that, I, we had our chances. I mean, it, it would have been very disastrous that, look, you had quite a good amount of chances to score. You didn't. And then Trinidad comes back, gets their one chance, and scores it. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's pretty much what these little teams are hoping for. You're hoping to get that one chance and that you convert and that you hold strong uh, the rest of the, uh, the way. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I really wasn't impressed um, with the way they uh, with the way they play, but it was also what I expected. So not too disappointed. Uh, you got your three points, which is the most important thing. Uh, I think 
what really had me, you know, scratching my head when the lineup was announced was I figured that he would, uh, Bruce Arena would have put, uh, you know, a mix of an A, B squad in this game, considering that you had to go to Mexico three days later. I mean, you didn't even have mm-hmm. four or five days. You had three because Mexico had to go uh, to Russia immediately following their game on Sunday. So, I was wondering, well, this is your A squad. You kind of figured that this might be uh, a lineup that you would trot out there against Mexico. You, How yeah, are you, you going to play these guys uh, another 90 minutes in altitude um, mm-hmm. on three days rest? Yeah, after that, after that game... Thinking in that in those same lines, I didn't have much confidence in how we yeah, were going to turn out. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I thought I thought maybe you would have seen maybe like a Jordan Morris in this game. I thought maybe you yeah. would have seen a Bedoya in this game, <laughs> even though he probably shouldn't even have been on the field to, uh, to begin with. I thought maybe <laughs> those players would be the ones that will be starting against Trinidad and save your big guns uh, for the Mexico game, but you know. Well, we were all fooled. That was <laughs> but it all turns out this was a whole grand plan yes, of Arena. it was part of the plan since day one of training camp yep. that he already knew the lineups he was going to use, bar, you know, minus an For injury some, uh, somewhere in training, that he knew exactly which lineups he, were gonna, he was going to use for both of these games. And good for you, Bruce. Well, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and for a little while, yes. for a little while, that was the, the controversy of, of, uh, you know, on, on Twitter for about 10 minutes of, of, uh, Bruce changed all Bruce, those big changes. Yeah. Bruce says he's going to make seven changes to the lineup, to the starting 11 from the first, what a from the first game. And, and, uh, and everybody went freaking crazy. Yeah. Yep. And well, cause that uh, is yeah, because huge. You had to wonder, wait a minute, what seven are you going to change? Because you figured that's a lot of players. That's a lot. That's more seven, than half it's your the players. Team. Yes. It's the th- <laughs> yes. I mean, it's just, it, it was kind of uncanny. So do we just go ahead and get into the Mexico game? Oh, well, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it's it's important to talk about it. So We okay, haven't so let's go ahead. forgotten anything, right, from the last well, game. Was, we haven't, we mentioned everything. There was one memorable thing that came, in, that came out of the, of the Trinidad and Tobago game, and that was Alejandro Bedoya coming on the field and <laughs> immediately slipping and falling on his face. <laughs> and, and that sums up Bedoya's U.S. Men's National Team career. Yeah, in about about 10 seconds, yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the game that we all want to talk about. I'm sure everybody else wants to hear about. Um, The United States plays against Mexico in their second World Cup qualifier, going into the dreaded Azteca and coming away with a 1-1 draw, only the third time in history that they've ever pulled that off. And I got to tell you Mm -hmm. right now, with absolutely no bias, this was by far the best game the United States has ever played in the Azteca Stadium. Yep, 1,000%. Even better yes. than the 1-0 win and the friendly. Yes, definitely. 100% better. No, yeah, we look, we look very good. I think for the first time, you can say that this was... Um, I, I'm sure I'm going to get called out for this. I'm sure I'm going to get laughed at. Madam Saron, I'm looking at you. This is pretty much an <laughs> even game. It was an even game. I know a lot of Mexican You're fans. Crazy. Uh, well, hold on a second. Uh, I know a lot of Mexican fans uh, are going to say that the United States got lucky getting out of this uh, game <sighs> with a tie, and that Mexico absolutely dominated this game. But you got the stats. I got the, you stats, got the stats here. <laughs> that take out the stats. I, I'm hoping will <laughs> take out the stats, Lewis. That I'm hoping will <laughs> prove my argument. Um, so. When you think of dominance in soccer, you're 
pretty much the first thing you're gonna, th- you're gonna think of is ball possession. How much uh, uh, time did you have with the ball? And most of the time, this is correct. If you have the ball and your opponent doesn't, chances are you're gonna win the game. It isn't always the case though. And I will bring up the Galaxy New York game that was played uh, a month ago when they first started their road trip. <laughs> then the New York Red Bulls had 65% of the possession, but the Galaxy absolutely dominated this game from start to finish. So it doesn't always work out that way. Now, I'm not saying that the United States uh, were, uh, dominated Mexico. That's not true at all. But no. let's go ahead and look at some of these numbers and analyze it a little deeper uh, deeper here. Um, so I will start off with the possession. Um, it was a 74% to 26% advantage to Mexico. Now, this isn't surprising. It's not jaw-dropping. Mm-hmm. This is expected. Mexico is going to have the ball. They're going to get their chances. Um, they're going to have a huge home field advantage, not just because of the 90,000-plus you know, fans that are rooting for them, but they have an altitude advantage. They have the pollution uh, in the uh, the summer days during the day. They have 100-degree weather on top of all that. They legitimately have a home field advantage. Not to mention that Azteca is very intimidating. Yes, it is very intimidating. Oh, yes. Yes. It, uh, it's, it's just it, there is a mystique to it. I mean, they're starting to put some cracks into this fortress, but they still have, you know— it, if the United States were to win in World Cup qualifying, it's not like this whole fortress is just going to come down. You know, it's mm-hmm. still a very intimidating place to play in. So this type of a, a stat is actually very um, expected. So it shouldn't really surprise anybody. So not it's not something that I should just be like, okay, you know, because it doesn't really tell the entire story. Um, with that much possession, obviously you're going to be completing significantly more passes uh, than your opponent, which they did. Mexico uh, completed four, more than four times as many passes as the United States did. They completed 444 passes compared to the 106 that the United States had. Now, let's see what these teams did with that possession. I'm going to start off with shots, total shots taken. Mexico had 10 total shots. The United States had seven. Now, if you're going to tell me that this Mexican team dominated the United States and that we were lucky to get out, I'm thinking that this number should be closer to 20 and not 10. Are those, are those shots on These target just or just shots, shots overall? These shots overall. Okay. I'm looking okay. at that number to be closer to 20, and I'm not sure if 7 is low enough to merit that. I'm thinking probably half of that. And they're probably shots that wouldn't really amount to much. But 10 to 7, that's, I mean, pretty that's pretty even. I mean, it's still a, a, it's, yeah. it's still a slight advantage, but that's pretty even. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and break down those shots. Mexico had one shot on target. And that was the Vela goal. 10. One out of okay. 10, and that was the Vela goal. The United States wow. had two shots on target. So a slight <laughs> advantage for the United States there. One of those was a goal. So we've kind of so even still even. It's still kind of even. Um, <laughs> it's still kind of even. Where were these shots taken? Mexico had four shots from within the penalty box. Only four. The United States also had four. They got into the box as many times as Mexico did. Um... 
another factor I thought that this was interesting. Oh, well, before I get to that. Very strange since neither of the goals was scored from within the box. Yes, both goals were outside the box. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, one more stat. Uh, corners. Uh, Mexico had nine corner kicks. The United States had seven corner kicks. Both of yeah, them were going forward. Um, mm-hmm. And you got to remember that one of those corner kicks from Mexico was at one the of, very end of the game when one of the most boneheaded and one of the most boneheaded ever. plays, you know, that you could have done. Instead of just putting in the area and hoping for the best, you decided to, you know, play it short. Um, but that corner kick probably shouldn't even have counted. It was well after the, the three minutes were up. So it could have been eight to seven. Again, that's still a very even stat. Mm-hmm. Um saves Memo Ochoa had one save in this game and truth be told I actually don't remember what that save was I don't remember who shot he saved there I think it was on Pulisic no Pulisic had one he took one shot and he and he shot it wide so he didn't say that I have no idea where that save came from Um, but it does Mm. say that he had one save Brad Gusan zero Brad Gusan had zero saves now this is not a knock on Brad Gusan by any stretch. If anything, this is a knock on the Mexican offense, uh, offense and all the praise the all the praise in the world to the seven players in front of Gusan. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you might have had a three-to-one advantage in possession, which is a lot, but you were just as dangerous as your opponent. You guys were even as far as how dangerous you looked and how uh, what you did with that possession. So, yes, this game was even. None of this. None of this sounds like domination to me. None of this sounds like domination for either team. I think <laughs> either one of these teams could have won this game. Had Mexico won the game, I think it would have been a fair result. If the United States had won the game, it would have been a fair result. But, but Bruce Arena and the United States came out and they had the perfect game plan because the, as the stats show... Mexico was not dangerous at all. They had the one shot that went in, and I think only one other instance that kind of got me, <gasps> and that was the uh, Chicharito chip. Yeah. That was the only mm-hmm. other time. You can't tell me that the United States got lucky when Brad Gusan did not have to work. Mexico did not make the goalkeeper work. In other previous games, and you tell me, oh, the United States got lucky to get out of there with a the point? Yeah. Howard kind of saved oh, yeah, our be asses. Other different games. Yeah, yeah they saved sure. our. He saved but, our asses. He came up with save. When your goalkeeper has zero saves and you lose the game, that's a testament to that to that team and that defense. And and here's the thing. Here's here's where I feel vindicated. The team talked about the team <laughs> talked about how well prepared they were for this game. They talked about how they practice it from day one coming in to the to the the camp. They talked about how the lineup they used was the lineup that they had talked about going in from day one. And that Trinidad game, we talked about how that's your typical U.S. men's national team lineup. It, it was it. I mean, and, 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 and it looks like Bruce may have changed who the number one lineup is now. Um, because, well, specifically for this game. For this game, because yes. Because his game plan worked perfectly. And... So many times I said to you guys, Klinsman does not prepare these guys. Klinsman has no game plan. And you guys harped on, it's up to the players on the field. The players on the field are as not well, 
as well. This tells you 1,000% Not just that one or the other. So much has to do with the game plan. With the way the team is prepared for the game. That, that helps that, help those players perform that much better. So, um, since you brought that up, I do want to bring a quote uh, from Michael Bradley regarding the state of the national team. Um, I think it has to do a little bit of both. I mean, we both agree that the, the coach can put in a game plan. It's up to the players to execute it. Also agree with you. If the, if the coach is telling you, go out there, do your best, and like, okay, I have no direction here. What am I supposed to be doing? It works both ways. You know, you can't just mm-hmm. completely blame one person or the other. But let me go ahead and read you this quote from Michael Bradley. Quote, at the end of last year, a lot of little things started to drop. And when we get our blend right in terms of football, physicality, athleticism, mobility, speed, mentality, spirit, when we get that right, there aren't too many teams in the world that are going to have easy days playing against us. And we feel like we can step on the field and beat anybody. But if a few too many areas start to come down, then we're also honest enough with ourselves to understand that our margin is not real big. And then we're going to start putting ourselves in some difficult spots. For me, it was just a case at the end of last year where a few too many areas started to drop. And I think Bruce has done a very good job of coming in and little by little working at raising the level across the board. A big part of that is the idea of team, of spirit, of mentality, of balls. End quote. And beers. Beers. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That was a quote from Captain America. That's a really good quote. He didn't didn't just like press release that shit? (laughs) Because that was really good. Did you guys see Omar Gonzalez's comment? Well, that's, I know that's where you're coming from. So go. Yeah. So Omar Gonzalez um, said that uh, sometimes with Jurgen, you wouldn't know until the day of the game, and it's stressful. So Bruce here is kind of taking a different approach, and it's helping out a lot. So that to me says that uh, a lot of the players were unhappy with the way that Jurgen uh, handled game day, roster selection, uh, preparation, uh, one of the things I heard about the, uh, the <laughs> we're dancing around this a little bit, so, uh, so I'll, I'll get into it. One of the things I heard about the Bradley goal was that Bradley knew that the, the reason he anticipated the, the pass and intercepted that pass that led to the goal was because they had prepared for that. They watched tape. They were, he knew that Chicharito likes, likes to come back, and when he comes back, he tends to play square balls to the outside backs. And that's why Bradley knew that that was coming. That's how he knew, because they prepared for it, because they were ready. And then it led to maybe one of the best goals ever scored by the U.S. national team with an absolute golazo. You guys can never, ever, ever, ever take this one away from me. Wow. <laughs> well, well, okay, look at So we can, we can... We can never specifically take a golazo away from you. We can tell you when you're wrong. That's <laughs> different. But no, definitely for me, this is a definite golazo. I mean, this was more of a like a wonder goal. Like for me, it was like it was it was huge for me because it was one of my best UN's US men's national team goal like ever. And then maybe because also so early in the game and then against Mexico and in Azteca and the way he did it, the intercept and the lead into that shot. Oh my God. It was just, just so good. Just the idea of 
Michael Bradley, who given and once his, you go Choa fall back on his ass, yep, I love given that his too. long history, <laughs> given his long history of coming in as the coach's son, being you know being the 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 recipient of nepotism, um, coming back you know going around to Europe, being considered just okay, coming back to Toronto, and being seen as taking the easy way out. To come out and do something like this, there is no question that in the moment, in the in the stage, that is absolutely world class. Yes, it, it definitely was. I oh, absolutely. I, I will say this though: uh, as far as the importance of a U.S. goal, I don't think it's the top one. No, um, it, there are importance. No, no there, there are, and I think my favorite. There was a there was a little <laughs> debate on Twitter when someone said this is one of the best goals ever scored, and people started talking about the Landon Donovan goal against Algeria. They're talking about Paul Caligiuri's goal against Trinidad and Tobago in 1989. Uh, there were a lot of many other goals, which I agree with by the way um these are much more uh, significant important goals uh what we are talking about is the beauty of the goal the way it looked mm-hmm. and i don't mm-hmm. think there was an, a sweeter looking goal than that mm-hmm. one lennon donovan against brazil in the uh 2000 no i go for this one i still love this one more <laughs> <laughs> because it's against mexico because it's against mexico exactly no it was just it was just a Watching Ochoa, it was just beautiful. I mean, yeah, but it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it was by that logic, I would even put the McBride goal in the against Mexico in the 2002 World Cup. I would probably put that one as (laughs) as. as, uh, I I love the Donovan one and the Donovan one too. Yeah, so that that's what we're talking about. Not the the, not the importance, but rather the the beauty of the goal. And to to be fair, um, I want to get back into the game a little bit. Uh, The Velo goal was also very good. It was a it very was, oh yes. It was a very yes. good goal. It was a very good counter. Very very well executed counter. Oh, the counter was a very good yes, counter. Very yes, very beautiful counter. I, I got to give credit where credit's due. Vela hit a, a really good shot. Good recognition um, from Ochoa to good, see the yes. outlet quick. Yes, uh, uh, good job by Chicharito to play it into Vela. It was just it was a very perfectly ran, uh, run counter. It was probably mm-hmm. one of the few mistakes that the United States defense made, and it was in transition. Um, a couple things could have prevented that. I think I forgot who it was. Uh, it was in the middle. I'm not it was sure. Acosta. Was it Acosta? Yeah, it was, okay. It was Kellen Acosta came to challenge and, and Chicharito. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so I mean, good on Chicharito for 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 that. And then there. This was a topic of some debate here. Um, I initially, and I still do, blame Beasley for the goal. I think he probably should have stepped up a little sooner, not given him that much space. Um, I think he probably could have put a, a a body on him. Even if he draws the foul, it'll give you time to regroup and then cover the set piece. No, at that, at that but, point, giving a foul in that area is too dangerous. I think it is dangerous, but I, I, I think, like, again, this was, as the counter was, at least for me personally, as the counter was being developed, it, it was, again, the the other time, aside from the Chicharito chip, that I said, uh-oh, where I felt in danger of, of being scored on. Um, and so I, yeah, because he wasn't challenged yeah, yet. So, like it, he, he so still had the ball. I, I still <laughs> blame Beasley that he probably should have stepped up a little sooner, probably. Um, but then when you look at the replay, you had Jeff Cameron who probably could have stepped in front of him as he was cutting inside. You had mm-hmm. Acosta who could have uh, who who did come back it and could have stepped up two. and and cut him off as well and tried to to uh, to at least um, make the shot a little bit more difficult. You know, make him alter his shot a little bit because he basically had a clear shot on goal. Um, yeah. 
but that was one of the few mistakes that the that the U.S. defense made. And another thing that I, I wanted think- to point out was uh, also a, a topic of debate that I saw on social media was um, the it started off when we had a corner kick, and we had a pretty legitimate shot at scoring a goal here. Bobby Wood, yeah, Bobby Wood couldn't. Yeah, he whiffed. He could have turned, and if he put it, he could have got down on frame. Um, you know, that would have been a, a war. Of, what, what, mm-hmm. It, it could have easily have been 2-0, but he whiffed. Ochoa gets the ball, and it starts the counter. Now, people were talking about that it was a mistake to bring that many numbers forward, um, seeing as how dangerous Mexico can be uh, on the counter, and, it, you know, and uh, you know, they made us pay for it. But what I want to say to that is that I disagree with that assessment 100%, because... If you're the United States, part of your strategy, especially with the strategy, the strategy that you're putting forward against Mexico, we're like, look, we're going to make this as defensively tough as possible, and we're going to rely on their mistakes and get forward. We got to make the most of our chances. They're relying on set pieces. One of their strengths is the physicality. They're relying. They mm-hmm. want corner kicks. They want free kicks. This is where most of their chances are going to happen. So... Yes, you need men forward if you have a corner kick here. You cannot be scared of a counter because that can happen against any opponent. Granted that Mexico will probably, you know, run it better than, say, a Trinidad and Tobago, but you cannot be scared. And I would run this play 100 times out of 100, and I'm going to say this again. Again, don't at me, Madam Serrano. If Bobby Wood turns and scores this goal, game over. Absolute game over. Guaranteed. And I'll tell you why. I'm going by the team that was playing last year, but it's still coached by the same coach. I don't think this Mexican team is mentally tough. And they haven't had too much adversity under Osorio. They've been undefeated throughout all of World Cup qualifying uh, from the the, the previous round and going into the Hex. They're still undefeated. They've had very Mm -hmm. little resistance here. The only time they had resistance was the Copa America. And what happened? They gave up. Nobody gets scored seven goals against them unless they want to. Right. So I don't think they are mentally tough. If the United States goes up 2-0 at the Azteca and it goes like that into halftime, coming out of the second half, 10 minutes in, I guarantee they start making mistakes. They start getting desperate, oh, which plays into the then- United States' game plan. And that crowd of 90,000 will guarantee turn against that turn on Mexican them. team and start cheering As soon as they the come United in States. the second half, as soon as they come out in the second half, they'd yeah. get booed. If, if the United States had gone up 2-0, I, my first move is pull, pull Pulisic because you know they're going after him. Oh, they're going to go. You know they're, they're going straight for the legs, man. You want to know an interesting stat about Pulisic? <laughs> Can you guess how many times he was fouled in this game? Uh, no. I don't think he was fouled that much, though. Zero. He was not fouled in this game. Yeah, I think this is He's more agile as of, shit, though. I think this is more a case of he was man-marked out of the game uh, more so. But to me, he did have some... He did contribute, although I don't think that the U.S. was trying to play through him all that much. I think that, uh, you know, given the circumstances after the Bradley goal, they were kind of playing with house money at that point. And so they didn't need to really push the game through Pulisic. Although he did pop up every now and again. I kind of disagree with that. I think they were trying to play Pulisic, but he wasn't as effective as many people thought he should have been. 
Um, a, a lot of people expected to have uh, Pulisic to have this legendary status game in dominant yeah, role in the Azteca and leading he's, the United States to victory. 18. He's yeah. Got yeah. He's got a, lots of chances to do. Yeah. This yeah. Again. But yeah, but he, but he was, is, he was, was hinting at it though to too prior to the game. You know, if he does he was, score and the United States does win this game, he's vaulted way over Landon Donovan at this point. I, I, I guarantee it. And, uh, but I think he did what he could. I think there were a couple plays that, um, that he started that could have developed that didn't quite materialize, um, including his, uh, his what, his 86-minute run toward a goal. I swear I saw that ball go in. Oh, I yeah. saw the goal yeah. happen. Uh, he didn't <laughs> do it. But, I mean, we would have absolutely lost our shit had he scored that goal. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, but one of the reasons that we got so many chances going forward, that we got as many as seven shots and four of them within the box, um, and that we were able to get so many corners. I think the, most, of the, most of the chances inside the box probably came from the corners. Um, was not just Pulisic, but Bobby Wood. Bobby Wood had mm. one hell of a first half, holding that ball yeah, and did. really waiting for I mean, Very impressive. It, it, was, it was something that I had personally never seen Bobby Wood, um, at least on the national team. I'm not sure how he does uh, on his club side, but on the national yeah. team, his hold-up game was probably the best I have ever seen. And boy, was he showing up uh, out the door in this game. And I think mm-hmm. I those agree. two players were probably a big reason why, and Bradley, were one of uh, the big reasons why the United States were able to get up as much as they did in this game. And I got to give all the credit in the world to Bobby Wood here because he really just amazed me with his gameplay, uh, at least in the first half. It's, 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 hard to pick a, it's hard to pick one single player out of this game that had that was sort of your man of the match i mean because jeff cameron everybody was working hard yeah i talk about jeff cameron because there were a a fantastic game he had a fantastic game and he saved um a lot of would-be threats including the final Mm -hmm. the the final uh uh, cross that led to that final corner kick uh, the in the dying moments of the game it was him who put his foot in front of him but um they had a really good chance because i i forgot who it was but someone came in and uh just pretty much unmarked and he had a free mm-hmm. cross, and Cameron was there. Um, a couple uh, last-minute headers that he saved as well. He stepped up. He kept – I mean, he's one of the big reasons as to why Mexico just could not get any decent shot off and why Gusana was yeah, yeah, yeah. not, you know, working too was much. Not, yeah, was not challenged. Uh, as you said, Bobby no, Wood – No, every, everybody yeah, stepped up. Yeah, as you said, Bobby Wood had a great game. DeAndre Yedlin had a fantastic game. Yeah, he uh, did. Paul Ariola did really well. Paul Ariola went in there and um, – I like Paul Ariola. I was very surprised that he started this game. I figured he would see some minutes because he's played in Me- or he plays in Mexico, so he under- um, he's more familiar with uh, with some of these players. I just didn't mm-hmm. think he would start. Yeah. And for you know what they asked him to do, he uh, he did his job. I thought he did really well. I thought, I thought he did very well. Yes. I also thought Demarcus Beasley, aside from the aside from the Vela goal, yeah, was man. really good. Old, Old man Bees, he kicks I ass think... still. Did you guys see the picture floating around of uh, Beasley helping uh, <laughs> yeah, the yes. United States win, uh, beat England in, 1-0 ni- in the 1950 World Cup? I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody photoshopped him into that shot of Joe Gation. Oh my god, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, I thought that Beasley did well on, on the goal. Uh, you know, he he did what he could. I think yeah, he could have closed Vela down a little bit faster, 
Um, but I think what he was trying to do was push him inside for a second defender to come, and that second defender never came. So I can't really blame him for that. Um, but other than that, he I thought he did he put in a lot of work. He did put in a lot of work. Yes, he did. I'm not um, gonna take that away from and him. And of course, Bradley had his uh, Bradley had his wonder goal. Um, uh, we touched on this a little bit, but I, I have to ask you guys. Some people are calling this <laughs> the best U.S. men's national team goal ever. Um, we're not talking about beauty. We're not talking about importance. We're talking about the best ever. I wholeheartedly dis- disagree. No way this is the best U.S. national team goal ever. No. Um, but but it's definitely in the top ten. Oh, well, of course. I would probably put it in the top ten. I, I probably wouldn't even be able to come up with ten goals that were, oh, you know, I just very as... very easily. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I, well, Joe Gations was one of them, but, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, this this goal is going to go down, and, and it's part, now part of the, the, the legend and the yes. mystique of this rivalry. Definitely. Um, and it's something that Mexico is going to use to... to uh, to kind of pump them up uh, the next time we, we face off, uh, probably in the Gold Cup, uh, just as the LA Galaxy continued to put the, the uh, animation of the Geo goal from 2007 <laughs> uh, on, on social media. Um, but I think Benny's, uh, wait, no, it was 2009, right? Uh, the Gold Cup. 2009. 2009. Yes, yes. Uh, I think Benny's uh, goal, uh, the, the volley goal oh, yeah, that's in right. uh, 2007 was probably better than this Michael Bradley goal. As far as beauty? As far as just awesome goal. Awesome I goal? I don't know. Oh, um, I remember that goal, actually. That was, that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that was a very nice goal. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I just I just wanted to see what you guys think. I, 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 I half expected Bobby to go like, yeah, that was the best one ever. But again, like still, for me, that Landon Donovan goal against Brazil was a thing of just, it was perfection. It yeah. was a perfect counter. It was a perfect counter. I remember me and Bobby were just like going nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for that game. <laughs> oh, very cool. So let's go ahead and look into the future. We still have four games left uh, in the Hex. We are currently sitting, uh, we've caught up under the Bruce Arena, uh, you know, 2.0. Undefeated. Undefeated. We are 2-0-2 in World Cup qualifying. I'm not counting friendlies here. We are 2-0-2 doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing in World Cup qualifying, winning your home games, Getting at Qualifying. least a draw in uh, <laughs> on the road, we have vaulted back into third place. Um, as of right now, the live standings: we are in third place. Um, Costa Rica has just defeated Trinidad and Tobago, so they are its sole possession of second place with eleven points. We're sitting with eight points. Um, we have our hardest games behind us, and we're definitely out of the hole that we were in, um, which I think was a little over-exaggerated. I think we only dropped the first game because losing to Costa Rica wasn't... It's not surprising, uh, given that we were going to San Jose. We've never gotten a result over there. So really, the only game um, that you dropped was the first game against Mexico, a game that you could have and should have won. But losing to Mexico is not uh, too... um, uh, You know, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, But we're back on track. Uh, our next game, I believe, is September 1st. We'll be playing against Costa Rica, but it'll be at home. Uh, we have a good track record at home. They have not okay. beaten us since, I believe, 1985 uh, on, uh, uh, in, in, in on U.S. soil. So you got to figure that, though it's a tough game, this is should be three points. 
uh, a few days later, four days later, you have to go to Honduras. Now, I have Honduras Ooh. out of the World Cup. I have them in fifth place. I said that at the beginning of the hex that I have Panama uh, getting through it as the fourth place team. Um, this is also a game where you can get a positive result. I can also see us getting three points here. Honduras is not very uh, playing very well right now. Um, and I think with this new you know, energy that the United States has found under Bruce Arena, I think we'd go into Honduras and get the three points and all but secure one of the top three spots uh, in qualifying. In case we do need a result in the final two, you have Panama at home, which you figure would be an automatic uh, three points, mm-hmm. and you wrap up against the weakest opponent in Trinidad Tobago. If you need a result, chances are you're probably going to get it. You're on the road, mm-hmm. but you got to figure that you can get a result here. I think I'm not going to say it's smooth sailing from here on out, but the schedule definitely favors the United States yeah. uh, in the final four games. Sure. See, this is where I'm nervous. The last time Lewis went on a five, five, six game prediction. He was wrong with every game. <laughs> I made the prediction in the first before we started the road trip, and I decided to hold my ground. We're talking, We're talking about, about the Galaxy, galaxy listeners, yes. uh, and <laughs> I've never been happier to have been proven uh, wrong four times. Yeah, let's not be wrong let's this not time, be wrong though. This time, well, I've said it many times. I'll say it again. At their absolute worst, the United States and Mexico will always qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. I don't think, and mm-hmm. I don't think this cycle is any exception i think we're gonna be there um and so far um like i said it looks like we are definitely on pace the current standings right now in real time i'll tell you right now uh costa i said costa rica uh be trinidad and uh panama unable to be honduras at home they actually tie 2-2 which is a little beneficial to us because it keeps panama below us had panama won this game we would have been in fourth place at the end of this uh at the end of this cycle um, mm-hmm. but again, going forward, I don't think that's really going to stick or it shouldn't stick. Uh, so the current standings at Mexico on top, 14 points, Costa Rica in second with 11, the United States third with eight points, fourth is Panama, uh, with seven and Honduras sits in fifth, uh, with five points, Trinidad at the bottom with three points. Those are your current, uh, live standings right. right now. There's, there's Cap World Cup qualifying. So. <laughs> uh, with with that, let's not forget that there were MLS games this week, guys. So we there was, are going to go in the blink of an eye. Go MLS recap week fifteen. Last week we had fifteen games to do in uh, ten minutes. This week we have three games to do in two minutes. Let's see if we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we can <laughs> because last week we almost we almost did it. So, yeah, we almost uh, did let's it. Go. Yeah. First up is Chicago versus Atlanta. Uh, Ooh, Chicago, Chicago wins two zero over Atlanta. Uh, again, Chicago playing at home. That seems to be Toyota Park seems to be a fortress for them this year. Twelfth uh, minute, Vialba from Atlanta gets sent over the top and goes in one on one. You think that uh, Atlanta's going to go up one zero? He hits a shot, goes five hole in the keeper, but it's wide. So one minute later, Akam mm. gets behind the Atlanta defense, and I really thought Akam was going to screw this this play up. Yeah, he, uh, he gets all the way down to the uh, to the end line. He cuts back. He waits. He takes a touch. He waits. He waits. He waits. And he allows. He feeds, it, he feeds it off to Solinyak, who uh, who makes no mistake and, and puts it in the back of the net. But 
Well, they just cl- they they literally closed all his angles. Yeah. I just was I was just so shocked that he still had guys to pass yeah, off yes. to. I'm like, he really? Those two guys break. are he right there. Shot, but he decided to just <laughs> yep. hold it and hold it. Let the defense, you know, catch up and just staring at them, staring yeah. at him. It ended staring. up in a goal, so <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Hold it. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then uh, 56 minute, a calm tries to feed Nicholas, but it's just a little bit out of reach. Uh, but 59th minute, there's a handball in the box, and Nikolic makes it 2-0, and Chicago wins this game and sends Atlanta home with no points. Man, is Chicago looking stronger and stronger For every real, game? Dude. I think uh, I think we can all agree that Chicago actually might be legitimate this year, and they might yeah, they, they, they oh, yeah. and they might and, and Nikolic, but uh, I yeah. think they're going to end their playoff drought this year, or at least it seems like it's going to. Good for them. I think so too. I I, th- I believe it. So. Next up, Sporting Kansas City versus Montreal. This one was kind of a hard-fought game. Uh, fifth minute, uh, Bush had to make had to go full stretch to take a to make a save from Benny Failhaber. Uh Dom Dwyer smacks the crossbar in the twenty-fourth minute. Uh, Gerso gets played over the top and goes far post to put Sporting Kansas City up. Fiftieth minute, Timelia tips Piotti shot over over to the post. Uh, and then in the 82nd minute, Mancuso chips Melia to equalize for Montreal. Uh, in the 86th minute, uh, Christy Vall sees a straight red card. It barely looked like a yellow. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that kind of did him in was <laughs> he, after, as he crashed into the other player, as the player was falling down, uh, Duval throws his arm out as if he, and maybe the ref saw an el- the elbow and, and thought it was a dangerous play. But a straight red card for him. Um, I hope this is a card that also gets, or his suspen- his suspension is uh, taken back by the uh, disciplinary yeah. committee because this was absolutely not a red. Um, I don't even think it's a yellow. I mean, mm-hmm. at the I mean, a yellow would be probably the harshest thing. I I mean, he obstructed him, but I don't think there was anything malicious. Uh, it wasn't a clear chance at goal. It wasn't. I mean, it was just. I don't even think it was card worthy. Definitely not straight red. I, I really hope that um, that justice that kind of face. prevails here because yeah, that that was just a, a, an absolute bogus call. Uh, Sporting Kansas City has two good chances in the final minutes, but it ends one one, and uh, the teams share the points. So next up is Portland versus Dallas. Uh, is Fernando Addy back? Mm. He's, he's back like, in this yeah, game. I was gonna say he's back in this game, yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, guy had like five or six shots uh, in the first uh, first few minutes. 29th minute, Gleason makes a huge save. He uh, he he goes low to save it. The ball kind of bounces around, hits off his back, and then uh, Portland defender had to clear it off the line. Uh, 32nd minute, minute, Adi gets played in on the left hand side and gets uh, gets try to get. He's being pushed off the ball, but he doesn't give up. He gets a toke poke to it and makes it 1-0 Portland. And then uh, Valeri probably had the best goal of the week, and I'm counting international play here. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's called back for a handball. Uh, mm. In the 72nd minute, Adi gets uh, gets a feed on the back post, fakes a shot, cuts inside. Easy goal for him. 2-0 Portland. That's it for MLS recap. Yay. Wow. All right, well, well, thank you for listening. That was week 15. Make sure you listen to Balls and Beers in our penalty show for our predictions for week 16. I'm here with David and Lewis. This is episode 
74. Say goodbye, guys. guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to LA is Our House. Follow us on our website, laisourhouse.com, and sign up for our monthly newsletter for upcoming articles and special content. Follow us on our Twitter for all of the up-to-date news in our soccer world. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you in the next episode.